Hey everyone, it's the Monty Man, and you are about to take part in the experience, the strength, and the hope of this episode of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show. Three, two, one, zero. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Come here for a minute. I want to talk to you. expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show are those of the co-host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of our affiliates. The topics and opinions on today's show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice. Take 12 Radio is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. And now, here's your host, the man, the myth, the legend, the Monty Man. Well, greetings, friends and recovery family, and welcome to the fourth in a series of broadcasts that we brought back from the show, Step by Step Towards Emotional Sobriety, with Dr. Alan Berger, the author of 12 Stupid Things That Messed Up Recovery, a good friend of Take 12 Recovery Radio, and uh, someone who really knows what he's talking about when it comes to this topic. Now, listen, uh, this was the very first time that this topic of emotional sobriety was ever produced in audio format for a broadcast. And we were honored to be the ones to launch that forth. And of course, that's all due uh, to the wonderful generosity giving of his time, Dr. Alan Bird. All right. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to go right into part four of this. Now, I believe there is a reference to a PDF file uh, in this episode. That file is no longer available, so I apologize for that. Um, but just wanted to give you a heads up with that. All right. So here's uh, Dr. Alan Berger. We're talking about emotional sobriety and discovering who we are and who we aren't and why that's difficult. We, we've got to get quite vulnerable when we start looking at these things. We really have to look at not only who we are, but who we're not. And facing ourselves, and especially facing who we're not, is difficult. You know, what I say to people all the time is keep in mind only the best in you can face the worst in you. Hmm. And it's worth saying to our listeners again, only the best in you can face the worst in you. And if you stay with us, it's going to require you bringing the best forward. 
because we're going to ask you to look at some things about you and your behavior that are causing problems in your life, that are causing problems for you and causing problems for those people that you love and care about. And what we hope is you're going to be able to start to do what Bill called unhook your dependency and all the demands that come with it on others so you can start, so you can learn to live and let live, so you can start to have relationships where what I call it is where there's room enough for two. All right. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Our first soundbite is going to be uh, the last one we heard last at the last show. Uh, We're going to bring that up and talk about that a little bit. And then we're going to go into our last two soundbites for this show. And then we got some exciting news to tell the folks what's going to happen next week. So check this out. This seems to be the primary healing circuit, an outgoing love of God's creation and his people by means of which we avail ourselves of His love for us. It is most clear that the real current can't flow until our paralyzing dependencies are broken, and broken at depth. Only then can we possibly have a glimmer of what adult love really is. All right. Adult love. Uh, Uh, That's what he's talking about here, isn't it, Bonnie? This this thing called adult love. Eric Fromm, and we mentioned this in the last show, but it's worth repeating, he made a distinction between what we would call immature love and adult love, or immature love and what he called mature love, which Bill is referring to as adult love. Mm -hmm. So what's the distinction between these two? Well, immature love says, I love you because I need you. So right. it's based on the dependency that Bill was talking about, about that absolute or what I like to call emotional dependency. Mature love, on the other hand, is I want you because I love you. Mm. So it's not driven by need or dependency. It's driven by a choice. Is I want to be with you because I enjoy you, I have fun with you, I like who you are, it's not about what can you do for me. Right. And see, that's what the dependency hooks us into. We start looking at people in terms of what they can or cannot do for us. You know, are they going to raise our self-esteem, inflate our self-esteem? Are they going to validate us? Are they going to make us feel good about ourselves? Are they going to make us feel sexy or handsome or beautiful or whatever? But you see, that's the hook. Mm. When I need you to do that, then I'm hooked into you. And Bill said, until we let unhook these dependencies, right, we're going to be paralyzed in our relationships because eventually that's what happens, that we get paralyzed because of these absolute dependencies. And you hear so many people say things like, well, uh, especially in recovery circles, well, nobody can make you feel a certain way. But then then that same person will say, Oh, so-and-so, she just makes me feel so good about myself. And, and, you know, that sounds okay on the surface, but that can be kind of dangerous. Well, it is dangerous. And listen, when people say, you know, nobody can make you feel anything, everybody knows that. But here's the truth. The more immature I am, or another way of saying it, the more, um, the less, less differentiated I am, the more you are going to be able to make me feel certain things. Mm. So we've talked about differentiation before. So differentiation is this idea, and let's just review this in case we have a new listener this week. Differentiation is this idea that the more differentiated I am, the more autonomy I have in my relationships. So that means that I am 
my own person and you are your own person if we're differentiated. The less differentiation we have, the more we become emotional Siamese twins. And what I'm feeling is what you're feeling, and we're so fused and reactive to each other. So what we want, what we want to have happen or what needs to happen for emotional sobriety is that we have to grow up. We have to differentiate ourselves better from our partners. We have to stand on our own two feet. We have to learn how to be autonomous. And that means not letting what the other person's doing or what they're experiencing or whatever is going on with them determine how I'm feeling. Yeah. Follow me? Yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the big, big thing that we're looking for here is we want people to have autonomy in their relationships. And that's what adult love is about. So when I'm in a relationship with someone that's an adult, yeah, yeah, that I'm determining how I feel. It's not what you're doing that's determining how I feel. Right. All right, here's our second soundbite. If we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root of it some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Let us, with God's help, continually surrender these hobbling demands. Then we can be set free to live and love. We may then be able to gain emotional sobriety. All right. Wow, huh? Yeah. This is Bill giving us the key to unlock our emotional sobriety. In fact, in my book, 12 Smart Things to Do When the Booze and Drugs Are Gone, which is all about emotional sobriety, I actually have developed a form that reflects Bill's suggestion here. So what Bill is telling us is that whenever we get upset, whether it's a big upset, we're really upset, we're really, you know, flustered with what just happened or hurt, or whether we're just a bit irritated by what happened, he says underneath that lies an unhealthy dependence and its consequence demands. So what I did on this chart I have, and what, why I want to talk about it for at least a moment here Money is because we're going to be asking our listeners to use this chart. And in fact, if they send me an email at abphd at msn.com, or if they contact you, I'm going to be sending you a PDF of this form. You'll be able to send it to them, and they can go ahead and print out it, print it out, and make as many copies as they want, so that they can go ahead and do some of these exercises on their own. In so fact, what we'll do form, well, in the first column, they have to just write down what happened, what was the upsetting event. And like I said, it doesn't matter if it was a big deal or not. Okay. Just if it bothered you, write it down. Then in that second column, what we're looking for them to do is what they're going to have to tune in to talk to us about later. So we're going to kind of invite people to get back. But in that second column, they start to identify, well, what was it in here? What was my, what was my reaction to this person? What was it that I actually did? How did I deal with this situation? Because when we are emotionally dependent, we typically react in one of three ways to people. We either try to control them, we either run away from them, or we try to please them. So I say that we move against people, that's the controlling them, or getting angry with them, scapegoating them, or we move away from people, that's the running away, or we move towards them, that's trying to please them. All three of those things are our ways of trying to deal with the emotional fusion that we feel with them. Wow. None of those work, Monty. 
Mm-hmm. Some people say, well, God, you know, if you're in a bad relationship, just get some distance. Get those toxic people out of your life. Well, that's a great idea, and I'm not saying that sometimes that that's not even a, that that's not appropriate, because sometimes it is. But most of the time, we're running away, not because of what they're doing, but because of what we don't know how to do. Sure. 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 I could remove all the toxic people out of my life if you want. I'll just, I'll just reenact what I've been doing again. Well, that's it. Yeah. See, so you got it. I mean, so I need to learn how to hold on to myself better. Yeah. I had a client say, I like this. This is another way of thinking about it. And it's, it's synonymous with holding on to yourself. She says, you've got to learn how to keep your own shape. You know how people say, hey, you know, I'm just so out of shape here with what just happened. But what this client said to me is, you know, Dr. Berger, when you said hold on to myself, I immediately thought I've just got to keep my own shape. I don't want my partner to change my shape. And Uh. that's what we're letting people do when we're dependent on them. We're letting them determine how we're going to feel. So in that second column, I asked people to identify how they reacted. You know, what they did, did they move towards, did they move away? But I want them to be specific because it's very important people write down specifically, this is what I did, this is what I said, this is what was going on. You follow me? The more specific to get the more specific, the better. So in the next two columns is when we're going to now identify the demand that was taking place and what was the unhealthy dependence that, that was underlying or causing that demand. Now, those are the first four columns. They identify what the problem is and what's going on. In the fifth column on this form, I say, what do you need to do to stay centered? What do you need to do to keep your shape? What do you need to do to hold on to yourself? And see, that's what we want to help people do, is we're going to try to help them learn how to hold on to themselves better. And this is the Bill Wilson's fourth legacy. This is what he left us. In the end, you know, after 21 years of recovery, these are the things Bill was talking about. And I really believe it's the best way to think about the gift he's given us is as his fourth legacy. Uh, What we're going to do is is once you send me that PDF, I will post it on this page. And and listeners, you can click on that and then print it out uh, and and have it ready. Um, And and, and here's, here's a real important thing. Whenever you're doing something like this, don't fill out the answer you think we want to hear. Don't fill out the answer that you that you think that you need to arrive at. Fill be truthful about where you are right now. Because if you're not, it'll be thwarted and then it won't avail you anything, right, Doctor Berger? Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, a couple of weeks ago I was up in Canada and I was uh, teaching a bunch of these uh, counselors up there about emotional sobriety and how to use this form. So one of the techniques I use to teach is to ask them to do it themselves, right? An exercise where they fill it out themselves. So I asked for some volunteers to come up and work with me. And so this one brave young man who has about uh, four years of recovery now comes up. He's a counselor, works with a lot of kids. And he, he says, okay, well, here's the upsetting event I got. He goes, I come home and I walk in the door and the first thing I look over is to see if my wife has done the dishes. And invariably, she's not done the dishes, and I am pissed. I start to say to myself, what the heck has she done all day? I've been out working. I've asked her a million times. The least you can do is have these dishes done for me so when I come home, I'm not upset. And I said, okay, so what happened? And then what did you write in the second column? Well, 
She doesn't do them. So what I do is I sit down and I start playing games. I start to play on my iPhone. I start to play with the different games I got on my iPhone. Then I turn the TV on. He goes, I get real passive aggressive. I won't talk to her. And I sit there and I brood. Because <laughs> I'm trying to let her know how unhappy I am. And I go, how's that working for you? Yeah. Goes, not very good. <laughs> and so then what he gets to is that what happens in the fourth column, the demand he has is you have to do exactly what I want you to do in the way I want you to do it and when I want you to do it for me to feel okay. And you have to do exactly what, what happened in my family for me to feel that you love me. See, that was his demand. So his unhealthy dependence is, is that his good feelings about her depends on what she's doing. Yeah, wow. And his peace of mind depends on what she's doing. So he says, so Doc, what the heck do I do? I says, well, where do you walk in the door? And if you don't like the dishes in there, I said, do them yourself. <laughs> do your dishes. It's your issue. You want the dishes done. Why does she have to do what you want her to do for you to be okay? If you're not okay with the dishes in the sink, then you do them. Well, well I'll work all day. Then don't do them. I'm just saying you can't expect her to do what you want her to do the way you want her to do it whenever you want her to do it if you want to have a relationship because that means she's got to do everything on your terms and there's no room for her. And see, that's, that's what this emotional dependency does, Monty. Yeah. It really, it really sucks away the oxygen from the relationship in many ways. And, and, re and really, just like, just like the drugs and the alcohol, are, 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 they're just substances. They're an outward manifestation of an inward condition. The dishes really aren't the issue. That's right. It's not the issue, and it's the same yeah. thing. It's sucking the air out of the relationship, right? Because yeah. there's no room for her. It's just got to be on his terms. Now, this is what happens, is that we save our worst behavior for those people we love. You see, he wouldn't have those demands on somebody at work, but we think that, uh. no, because this person loves us, they're going to do whatever we want them to do to show their love for us. That's this idea we have. So we've got love used with dependency, and it creates a lot of troubles in relationships. Oh, gee uh, Listen, we've got we to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to listen to our third soundbite, more with Dr. Berger. Hey, check it out. The best in recovery talk and positive music radio is now available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, and Podomatic. Simply visit any of these platforms and search for Take 12 Recovery Radio. Listen and download hundreds of our shows for fun and for free. Also available at Take12Radio.com. All right, and we have returned. And, of course, we are here with Dr. Alan Berger on Step by Step Towards Emotional Sobriety. And we have a, a third soundbite uh, today that we're going to listen to. Uh, check this out. This is, uh, well, just, just listen. Of course, I haven't offered you a really new idea. Only a gimmick that has started to unhook several of my own hexes at depth. Nowadays, my brain no longer races compulsively in either elation, grandiosity, or depression. I have been given a quiet place in bright sunshine. Ah, that's nice. Yeah, it really is. And, and you know, Bill says that he's offered us not a solution but a gimmick. But this gimmick can sure lead to a solution. Yeah. And this is how, because, see... I love the image I get. See, when Bill says that unhook our dependencies at depth, right? Mm -hmm. Unhook these things. 
what is he saying? Is that, see, what, what dependency does, it's emotional dependency, is like a hook. We're trying to hook people into doing what, they, what we want them to do. We're manipulating them to behave the way we want them to behave so we feel okay. So I say this all the time to my clients, Monty. I say that the less that you're able to regulate yourself, the more you're going to try to regulate other people. Mm. So the less ability you have to soothe yourself, to take care of yourself, to regulate yourself, to validate yourself, the more you're going to try to get other people to do for you what you can't do for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and we talk about we talk about that in 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 the, in the program. We talk about how the only one that can can do for us what we definitely cannot do for ourselves is a power greater than ourselves, and that's not another human being. That's right. That's yeah. right. And 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 that a good relationship with that higher power helps us learn how to take care of ourselves better. Yeah. How to support ourselves how to stand on our own two feet, how to take care of ourselves. That doesn't mean that we don't need other people, because we do. Sure. It's just that It's just that when I come to you and I have a need for you, if you're not able to give it to me, I'm still okay. But if I'm dependent on you and I come to you to get that need met, and you don't give it to me, now I'm devastated. Now my world is, is shattered, because I think I need that to be okay. If I'm able to support myself, I can turn to you for what I need. And if it's not available, grieve and just appreciate what is available. Mm -hmm. See, that's a healthy relationship where there's room for you and there's room for me. You know, my new book just came out, Monty, and I just want to say a few things about it. And I hope here in the next coming weeks to get you a copy so you can take a look at it yourself. But one of the things I talk about is that one of the hidden rewards of working, steps 8, 9, and 10, is that you learn how to have what we call an I-to-thou relationship. Well, this relationship was defined by Martin Buber as really the, the healthiest kind of relationship we can have with another person. So when I have an I-to-thou relationship with you, it means that you're no more important than me or no less important than me, and I'm no more important than you or no less. We are just straight across. I tell my clients a lot of times, think of a carpenter bubble. When you have an eye-to-thou relationship, that bubble is right in the center. Mm. So when we have an eye-to-thou relationship, it means that I'm important and you're important. So I'm a subject of the relationship, and so are you. Yeah. So I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm not trying to get you to be something you're not or to give me something you don't want. I'm dealing with you as you are, and you're dealing with me as I am. Now, it's not easy for us to get there. And Martin Buber acknowledged this. He says, you know, we've got to strive to try to have these kinds of relationships. But when we do, then the contact we make with that other person is in itself rewarding. It doesn't have to give us anything other than the experience of meeting each other and being with each other in this way. Now, it's really interesting because I feel that a lot when we do this show together. I feel that that kind of connection with you. Ah. I appreciate who you are. Yeah. I enjoy the contact. I enjoy your contribution. I'm not looking for you to make me feel good. I don't sense you're looking for to manipulate me. 
in any way. I'm sure there's probably other times we are going to do that to each other. I'm not saying <laughs> in that we, we've you know advanced to sainthood yet. We're on our way. Yeah, we're we, on our way. But we're not there yet, right? <laughs> so, but see, that's the kind of relationship we're looking for. Yeah. Rich Pearls used to say, "This this was the Gestalt therapy prayer." I am I, and you are you. I'm not in this world to live up to your expectations. And you know what? You're not in this world to live up to mine. If by chance we meet, we make contact, we come together, well, that's wonderful. Let's enjoy it. If not, let's accept that because it can't be helped. See, that was the Gestalt Therapy Prayer, is being able to accept people as they are and accept ourselves as we are. And if I need to, to validate myself and, and deal with some of my feelings of insecurity, that's my job. That's not my partner's. Right, right. I've I got to ask you this question because uh, we're, we're almost out of time, but I've got to ask you this. When you're working with people, if you had a penny for every time you heard the phrase, yeah, but, would you be an extremely wealthy, independently wealthy individual? Well, but yeah, because people learn real quickly not to use that phrase in my office. <laughs> so I wouldn't be. I, I'd probably be pretty poor because all that is is somebody being defensive and not taking a look at that. And as soon as that happens, now we've got that to discuss. Yeah, We've got to look at. And here, I'll show you how that happens in an eye-to-the-eye relationship. I have to turn to them and say, look, obviously, I'm saying something to you in a way that make, is making you feel defensive or in some way you might be feeling so, that I'm shaming you in some way. What are you experiencing with what I just said? Mm-hmm. And then we start to explore it because oftentimes I may not be aware that I'm coming across maybe in a shaming way and I need to clean that up. Or they may not be aware that they've just distorted something I've said and that what I said is not what they heard. That's right. So when That's we right. have this eye to thou relationship, we can check it out with each other. Yeah. See, it's okay to turn to your partner and say, hey, this is what that seemed like to me. Is that where you were coming from? And when you do that, now you create space for that other person. Yeah. Well, there you go. That wraps it up for part four of unpacking Bill Wilson's letter, what Bill Wilson referred to as the next frontier emotional sobriety. Hey, listen, I've got a request for you. If you've enjoyed these broadcasts uh, teaming up with Dr. Berger, won't you please let us know? We have a whole ton of these uh, on different topics and special guests with Dr. Berger in our archives. And I'm perfectly willing to bring them back and make them available for you uh, here at Take12Radio.com on your internet dial. But I need to hear from you. If you would like to hear more from Dr. Berger, simply email us at Take12Radio at Comcast.net. That's T-A-K-E, the number 12, radio at Comcast.net. And type in more of Dr. Alan Berger. Or you can comment on... Uh, our YouTube channel, or you can com- comment on any of our podcast platforms as well. Simply just type in more of Dr. Allen Berger, and uh, we'll consider bringing back a whole slew of the shows that he did with us on step-by-step towards emotional sobriety. All right, until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man. I'm hoping you're all keeping safe and practicing social distancing like you should and and doing the next right thing when it comes to your health. 
We are wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. She's a super cat, super cat, she's super kitty, meow. Yeah, kitty, 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 meow. <laughs> <laughs>